Welcome to the Faith Comes From Hearing podcast. This podcast will be a sharing of part of my morning routine as I prepare for the day with the Word of God. We will be partaking of Puritan prayers from the Valley of Vision, each day's morning devotional from Charles Haddon Spurgeon's Morning and Evening, and we'll be reading from the Legacy Standard Bible, which is the newest and, I believe, the most accurate translation of the Word of God. We will be following a Bible reading calendar that provides for reading the whole Bible in a year that was created by Minister Robert Murray McShane for his congregation back in 1842, and that has been a part of my daily reading for over six years now. Good morning, good morning, good morning, and welcome to the Friday morning, October 21st, 2022 episode of the Faith Comes From Hearing podcast. I'm Wayne Floyd, your host. <clears throat> Sorry. And uh, this is a podcast that is dedicated to the public reading of the Word of God, along with the reading of some Puritan prayers and a devotion each morning. Uh, this came about um, with a realization of, I, it's, I, no, I notice how hard it can be for people to find time to sit down and read the Word of God and spend time in the Word of God each day. Um, and even for some people, I realize um, as symptoms of, of issues they have, they, they have trouble, not, not that they can't intellectually read, but they struggle to be able to focus um, due to a brain fog or some kind of symptom like that. So I thought that this might be a helpful way to share part of my morning routine of getting into the Word of God and prayer and into a prayerful mindset and all that with you um, to help those. Or, or even just for you know somebody that, you know, on their drive-in, if they've got a little bit longer drive-in to work or whatever, this might provide them a way to immerse themselves in the Word of God during that drive, um, as opposed to some secular stuff. Um, I was going to call it crap, and maybe it's not crap, maybe, but, you know, maybe something that is a little more spiritually constructive. So, that is, that is what motivated me to start this podcast. Um, to be honest, this is, um, interestingly enough, this is the, this is, I believe, yeah, this is episode number 52. Now that might sound like for, for some podcasts out there, that might sound like a huge number. Um, except for me, I've been, except for a couple of times in the early weeks, I've been recording seven days a week. I record one each morning, um, because I want to share my Bible reading plan goes every day of the week. Um, and so read, read the Bible in a year plan. And so I wanted to make sure I sat down with you each morning and read, or at least had pre-recorded something to publish the next morning. So if I didn't have the time to actually sit and record. So this is the 52nd episode today. Um, and so I feel very, very blessed to have been able to do that. And I'm sitting here with my, uh, black rifle, just decaf coffee. And I'm sitting here with a new gift on my head. Um, actually I bought it for myself. Um, but I, I got actually, all of a sudden I got a, a messenger note yesterday afternoon from my wife. She was downstairs with our grandson. Yesterday was one of our days we care for him. And I was upstairs in my office working and all of a sudden I get a, Hey, you've got a present down here. And I'm like, okay, I don't know what's going on. So I came downstairs and something I had ordered showed up for me. I, I honestly didn't expect it for months just because they had let me know that the main portion of it was on back order um, and that it, it could be months. And then I never got any notification that the hats had actually come in. They had said, do you want to cancel or do you want to, you know, 
just wait. And I said, well, I told him just wait. Well, I did. And it showed up yesterday, which I'm very, very grateful for. Now I'll tell you what it is. So when I was in the Navy, um, I served on nuclear fast tech submarines as a nuclear reactor operator. Um, you're a nuclear trained electronics technician. So I was an electronic technician, but what I did is I helped to operate the reactor and maintain the electronics equipment on that submarine. And we were based out of Groton, Connecticut. And my submarine was the USS Groton. Um, and it was, um, well, it was USS Groton. So it was one of the fast attack submarines based out of Groton, Connecticut, actually New London Naval Subbase. Um, up there in the Northeast. And so we spent time in the Atlantic Ocean. Um, and for us, we actually got to spend some time in the Mediterranean. Well, when you report aboard a ship like that, you are usually given a ball cap to wear when you're in your working uniform, um, as opposed to what, what used to be called, and, and I know uniforms have changed a lot, but this, this was in the early 90s, um, what was called the Dixie Cup, the white Dixie Cup looking hat. Um, you would wear those in your undress and your dress uniforms, whether whether you're winter or summer, so the whites or the blacks. Um, and I don't mean people, the, the white uniform, which is the summer dress and undress uniform, and the, the black, the darker, actually I don't even think it was black, I think it was a dark navy, a super dark navy, but whatever it was, uh, it looked black to me, um, and maybe my color vision is off. Um, but we'd have a dress and undress of that. But our working uniform, this was back in the day of dungarees, um, a jean-like pants with big bell-bottom at the bottom, and there was a purpose for the bell-bottom, and I won't go into that, um, and a, a cambray-looking shirt, a denim-looking shirt. It's not denim, but had that kind of look to it, the texture. So instead of wearing a Dixie cup with that, if you were on a ship, or, or even some of, the, some of the shore commands, you would be given a ball cap. So I got one. And, you know, the ball caps will say across the front. And I, you've, I'm sure you've seen them um, in TV shows, movies, maybe even people around in your neighborhood. They'll, they'll say the name of the ship. So USS Groton. And then in my case, because it was a submarine, it's the subsurface warfare insignia. And in most cases, because I was enlisted, mine was the gray, like, like the, the dolphins, we called them the dolphins, that I wore on my chest, on my uniforms. Um... Whereas officers, their, their ball caps and what they wore was gold. Um, and then underneath, it has your hull number. So in this case, it's SSN, subsurface nuclear. So a little teaching this morning, subsurface nuclear. And then, and I think that's correct. And then the hull number, which ours was 694. We were a Los Angeles class attack submarine, one of the first flight. Um, called that because the Los Angeles, the SSN 688, was the very first of the class. So, you'd be given a hat like that. Well, in like the last six to eight months I was on board, and, and I loved, I loved that cap. Yeah, it was nice to have something related to the boat and all that stuff. And I was a little gung-ho um, about it, um, whereas a lot of folks weren't that were on the boat. They wanted to do their time and get out. I really didn't plan on it, but I did end up getting out in my first tour. Um it was neat to have something like that. And I loved the construction of the hat and everything about it. But in my last six to eight months, I was, we were underway. I was in the rack. And so like I had done for years, 
I had hung my poopy suit. It was a jumpsuit that you wore underway um, in most cases. Um, and my hat on my hooks just outside my rack. Well, when I got up to go take my next watch, mine was gone. It had either been knocked off and somebody threw it away. I don't know if they'd thrown it away or somebody took it. So it was very disappointing. So they gave me another one. It was a much inferior construction piece of junk, um, which I kept. And I, it's probably somewhere in a box here, but I've never been able to find it since I, we moved to the house we're in now. But a couple of months ago, I decided I want a new one. And so I went out online and I found one. Same construction, same look. And I had it customized. I did a little bit, of, had it, them do a little bit of embroidering on the back of the hat for me. Um, but I didn't think I'd get it for months and it showed up. So I tell you all that, that giant, giant tangent to tell you that I'm not only sitting here with my black rifle, just decaf coffee, I'm sitting here with my new USS Groton hat on my head. And I'm very, very ecstatic to have that as goofy as that sounds. And to most people probably doesn't matter. Um, it was just nice to get it. I mean, that, that's a time that as tough as it was. I remember it and my shipmates very fondly, um, and I'm very grateful to have served with them. And I was very blessed. Um, and as much as sometimes I miss what I did there, and if I had to, and I, if I could do it again, I would. Um, at the same time, when I ended up getting out, was probably a good thing because I don't know that my marriage would have survived. Um, and it wasn't necessarily the Navy's fault. Um, it was tough. Um, our submarine, and I'll, this will be the end of what I'm going to talk about. Um, regular op tempo, meaning time you're away from home port, was supposed to be, I think it was around 75 to 80%. My understanding is we were regularly over 90% out at sea. Um, we had a job to do, but it made it very, very hard on the families. Um, and honestly, I, I allowed it to make me a very, very unpleasant person when I was in, when I was at home. Um, and I'm very, very grateful that my wife stayed with, with me. Um, I just, uh, yeah, I don't know that I'd have stayed with myself. Um, don't get me wrong there, you know, but anyways, it just, it, it was not, not good. So it was, it was good that we got out, but it, it was a time that I don't, I don't try to wear rose colored glasses about it. There was a lot of tough things. I mean, 72 straight hours awake trying to repair something, um, you know, stuff like that. Believe me, uh, there, there were a lot, there was a lot of tough stuff. Um, but I miss, I miss the guys. I miss the guys I served with. They were a great group of guys and I was very, very blessed to spend time with them. So to all of those, I don't know that any of them are actually listening to this. There's a very small audience that is, and that's fine because I'm not doing this for fame. But if any of them ever do, thanks guys. I'm, I'm grateful. So, so, um, so what we read from each morning, I go ahead, I, I digressed a bit, but what we read from each morning, the prayers we read from are from the Valley of Vision, which is a collection of Puritan prayers. Um, they, they are just wonderful. I, I, and please, I know I say Puritan prayers and everybody goes, ah, oh, Puritans, because they have such a bad, they get such a bad rap. You really need to learn about the Puritans. The Puritans were very, very loving and godly men. And, well, men and women. Um, but when the men 
these prayers they put down and the writings they did. Thomas Watson's are wonderful, but there are so many wonderful Puritan authors um, that wrote such wonderful, wonderful stuff. They put doctrine in such beautiful and accessible language to allow you to truly dig into the mysteries of God. Um, they're wonderful, and they were not the monsters that society and culture have portrayed them to be. There's bad apples in every bunch, um, but so many of them get such a bad rap. They were great. So those are the prayers we I read from each morning. I found them to be very, very helpful in getting myself in a spiritual mindset as I prepare to take in the word of God. And even sometimes if I'm just getting ready to go into the prayer closet and get down and pray and sit down and pray, I find one that's appropriate because it is a big collection of prayers. I find one that's appropriate and read it to get my, get my head in a great spot to where I go ahead and pray myself. Okay. It's where I go ahead and pray from within my soul. So those are the prayers we're going to read from. Uh, We also read um, from Charles Haddon Spurgeon's uh, Morning and Evening. It's a devotional series. We read the morning devotion for the particular day. And then we go ahead and uh, we're using the Bible reading plan that is Martin Murray McSheen's Read the Bible in a Year plan that he created for his congregation. This was back in 1842. Um, And I've been using this for six years or more. And has been great. It has kept me immersed in the Word of God. The plan actually goes through the New Testament twice and the Old Testament once. And you're reading through. So we're using that and we're reading from the Legacy Standard Bible. I've chosen that translation because it is the most texturally accurate to the earliest manuscripts we have of the documents. So that is what we do each day. Um, There's a a good possibility that when we hit January 1, I'm going to change over the Bible reading plan. I've found one, actually, it's it's one that my buddy Gene Clyatt uses now um, on his podcast, Squirrel Chatter, and I will probably shift to that. It is still a read the Bible in the year, but it does, it does the readings five days a week. Um, that frees me up to do more. Um, one, I don't, don't necessarily have to podcast seven days a week, though I am enjoying it, but it, it can be a little hectic on the weekends, honestly. Um, but it will it will give me the ability to do uh, more special episodes on the weekends. Do spend some time talking theology. Spend some time talking about things going on in the world in a biblical con in a biblical mindset and a bit from a biblical worldview, um, which I'd like to be able to free up more time than that than to j- just stack on more time onto what I'm already doing right now. But we'll see. We'll see how that goes. Um, and I'll probably stay in the Legacy Standard Bible, but who knows? I may go back to the NASB 95, which is where the Legacy Standard Bible came from. Um, and But we'll see. We'll see. You know, it's God's will um, that's going on. But let's go ahead and get into our reading. Um, so before we go, um, in the show notes, you will find links online to everything that I'm going to be reading through. Usually I read from um, the internet because it's easier to read and stuff, but I'm sitting downstairs this morning. I'm going to have my grandson pretty early this morning, so I've set up downstairs, and so I'm actually recording on my phone, which is always interesting, but which is a great thing about Anchor. Um, I love it because I can record from my phone, my tablet, or on a from a computer, but I'm actually going to be reading from my hard copy of Valley of Vision, and also in our show notes are links to the hard copies of Valley of Vision 
Spurgeon's Morning and Evening and the Legacy Standard Bible, as well as to the PDF, which is um, Martin Murray McShane's, or Robert Murray McShane's, um, anyways, McShane's um, Bible reading plan in a year and his letter to his congregation when he created it. So um, I'm going to start. We're going to do, like is our normal practice, we're going to read from Resting on God and Grace and Trials, those two prayers, and then we'll read our prayer of the day, which will be the six-day morning prayer. So, Resting on God. O God, most high, most glorious, the thought of thine infinite serenity cheers me, for I am toiling and moiling, troubled and distressed, but thou art forever at perfect peace. Thy designs cause thee no fear or care of unfulfillment. They stand fast as the eternal hills. Thy power knows no bond, thy goodness no stint. Thou bringest order out of confusion, and my defeats are thy victories. The Lord God omnipotent reigneth. I come to thee as a sinner with cares and sorrows, to leave every concern entirely to thee, every sin calling for Christ's precious blood. Revive deep spirituality in my heart. Let me live near to the great shepherd, hear his voice, know its tones, follow its calls. Keep me from deception by causing me to abide in the truth. <clears throat> Sorry. From harm by helping me to walk in the power of the Spirit. Give me intenser faith in the eternal verities, burning into me by experience the things I know. Let me never be ashamed of the truth of the gospel, that I may bear its reproach, vindicate it, see Jesus as its essence, know in it the power of the Spirit. Lord, help me, for I am often lukewarm and chill. Unbelief mars my confidence. Sin makes me forget thee. Let the weeds that grow in my soul be cut at their roots. Grant me to know that I truly live only when I live to thee, that all else is trifling. Thy presence alone can make me holy, devout, strong, and happy. Abide in me, gracious God. Amen. All right. And... Grace and Trials. Father of mercies, hear me for Jesus' sake. I am sinful even in my closest walk with thee. It is of thy mercy I died not long ago. Thy grace has given me faith in the cross, by which thou hast reconciled thyself to me and me to thee, drawing me by thy great love, reckoning me as innocent in Christ, though guilty in myself. Giver of all graces, I look to thee for strength to maintain them in me, for it is hard to practice what I believe. Strengthen me against temptations. My heart is an unexhausted fountain of sin, a river of corruption since childhood days, flowing on in every pattern of behavior. Thou hast disarmed me of the means in which I trusted, and I have no strength but in thee. Thou alone canst hold back my evil ways, but without thy grace to sustain me, I fall. Satan's darts quickly inflame me, and the shield that should quench them easily drops from my hand. Empower me against his wiles and assaults. Keep me sensible of my weakness and of my dependence upon thy strength. Let every trial teach me more of thy peace, more of thy love. Thy Holy Spirit is given to increase thy graces, and I cannot preserve or improve them unless he works continually in me. May he confirm my trust in thy promised help, and let me walk humbly in dependence upon thee. For Jesus' sake, amen. All right. And now the sixth day morning prayer. O thou most high, oh, it's called the gospel, excuse me. O thou most high, creator of the ends of the earth, governor of the universe, judge of all men, 
head of the church, Savior of sinners. Thy greatness is unsearchable, thy goodness infinite, thy compassions unfailing, thy providence boundless, thy mercies ever new. We bless thee for the words of salvation. How important, suitable, encouraging are the doctrines, promises, and invitations of the gospel of peace. We are lost, but in it thou hast presented to us a full, free, and eternal salvation. Weak, but here we learn that hope is found in one that is mighty. Poor, but in him we discover unsearchable riches. Blind, but we find he has treasures of wisdom and knowledge. We thank thee for thy unspeakable gift. Thy Son is our only refuge, foundation, hope, confidence. We depend upon his death, rest in his righteousness, desire to bear his image. May his glory fill our minds, his love reign in our affections, his cross inflame us with ardor. Let us as Christians fill our various situations in life, escape the snares to which they expose us, discharge the duties that arise from our circumstances, enjoy with moderation their advantages, improve with diligence their usefulness, and may every place and company we are in be benefited by us. Amen. All right. And our Spurgeon morning and evening this morning. This is the morning, October 21 article. And the text for it is, For the love of Christ constrained us, because we thus judge, that if one died for all, then we're all dead. How much owest thou unto my Lord? Has he ever done anything for thee? Has he forgiven thy sins? Has he covered thee with a robe of righteousness? Has he set thy feet upon a rock? Has he established thy goings? Has he prepared heaven for thee? Has he prepared thee for heaven? Has he written thy name in his book of life? Has he given thee countless blessings? Has he laid up for thee a store of mercies, which eye hath not seen, nor ear heard? Then do something for Jesus worthy of his love. Give not a mere wordy offering to a dying Redeemer. How will you feel when your master comes if you have to confess that you did nothing for him, but kept your love shut up like a stagnant pool, neither flowing forth to his poor or to his work. Out on, such, out on such love as that, what do men think of a love which never shows itself in action? Why, they say, open rebuke is better than secret love. Who will accept a love so weak that it does not actuate you to a single deed of self-denial, of generosity, of heroism, or zeal? Think how he has loved you and given himself for you. Do you know the power of that love? Then let it be like a rushing mighty wind to your soul to sweep out the clouds of your worldliness and clear away the mists of sin. For Christ's sake, be this the tongue of fire that shall sit upon you for Christ's sake. Be this the divine rapture, the heavenly affiliate to bear you aloft from earth the divine spirit that shall make you bold as lions and swift as eagles in your Lord's service. Love should give wings to the feet of service and strength to the arms of labor, fixed on God with a constancy that is not to be shaken, resolute to honor, resolute to honor him with a determination that is not to be turned aside, and pressing on with an ardor never to be wearied. Let us manifest the constraints of love to Jesus." May the divine lodestone draw us heavenward towards itself. All right. And I'm sorry, I'm going to need to get up and walk away from my desk for a minute. 
and make sure I've had this tendency lately to forget my poor little doggy outside. Um, not, not my little boy, but my older girl. And leave her out there. I don't think I did. But as I get older, I start having memory issues, like most do. But I think she's in, and I think she's up with her mother, because I don't see her. All right. Well, I will go sit back down, and we'll get on with our Bible reading. Um, as I said, we're reading from the Lexi Standard Bible using McShane's Read the Bible in a Year plan, and our chapters for this morning are Second Kings 2, Second Thessalonians 2, Daniel 6, Psalm 112, and 113. <sighs> Now it happened when Yahweh was about to take up Elijah by a whirlwind to heaven that Elijah went with Elisha from Gilgal. And Elijah said to Elisha, Stay here, please, for Yahweh has sent me as far as Bethel. But Elisha said, As Yahweh lives and as your soul lives, I will not forsake you. So they went down to Bethel. Then the sons of the prophets who were at Bethel came out to Elisha and said to him, Do you know that Yahweh will take away your master from over you today? And he said, Yes, I know. Be silent. And Elijah said to, them, uh, said to him, Elisha, please stay here, for Yahweh has sent me to Jericho. But he said, As Yahweh lives and as your soul lives, I will not forsake you. So they came to Jericho. Then the sons of the prophets who were at Jericho approached Elisha and said to him, Do you know that Yahweh will take away your master from over you today? And he answered, Yes, I know. Be silent. Then Elijah said to him, Please stay here, for Yahweh has sent me to the Jordan. And he said, As Yahweh lives and as your soul lives, I will not forsake you. So the two of them went on. Now fifty men of the sons of the prophets went and stood opposite them at a dis distance, but the two of them stood by the Jordan. And Elijah took his mantle and folded it together and struck the waters, and they were divided here and there, so that the two of them crossed over on dry ground. Now it happened when they crossed over that Elijah said to Elisha, Ask what I shall do for you before I am taken from you. And Elisha said, Please let a double portion of your spirit be upon me. And he said, You have asked a hard thing. Nevertheless, if you see me when I am taken from you, it shall be so for you. But if not, it shall not be so. As they were going along and talking, behold, there appeared a chariot of fire and horses of fire, and it separated the two of them, and Elijah went up by a whirlwind to heaven. And Elisha was seeing this, and he was crying out, My father, my father, the chariots of Israel and its horsemen. And he saw Elijah no more. Then he took hold of his own clothes and tore them in two pieces. He also took up the mantle of Elijah that fell from him and returned and stood by the bank of the Jordan. And he took the mantle of Elijah that fell from him and struck the waters and said, Where is Yahweh, the God of Elijah? Indeed, he himself also struck the waters and they were divided here and there and Elisha crossed over. Then the sons of the prophets who were at Jericho opposite him saw him and said, The spirit of Elijah rests on Elisha. And they came to meet him and bowed themselves to the ground before him. Then they said to him, Behold now, there are, there are with your servants fifty excellent men. Please let them go and search for your master. Let the spirit of 
lest the spirit of Yahweh has taken him up and cast him on some mountain or into some valley. And he said, You shall not send. But when they urged him until he was ashamed, he said, Send. They sent therefore fifty men, and they searched three days, but did not find him. So they returned to him while he was staying at Jericho, and he said to them, Did I not say to you, Do not go? Then the men of the city said to Elisha, Behold now, the habitat of this city is pleasant, as my Lord sees, but the water is bad, and the land is unfruitful. And he said, Bring me a new jar, and put salt in it. So they brought it to him, and he went out to the springs of water, and threw salt in it, and said, Thus says Yahweh, I have purified these waters, there shall not be from there death or barrenness any longer. So the waters have been purified to this day, according to the word of Elisha, which he spoke. Then he went up from there to Bethel, and as he was going up by the way, young boys came out from the city and mocked him and said to him, Go up, you bald head, go up, you bald head. Then he looked behind him and saw them, and he cursed them in the name of Yahweh. Then two female bears came out of the woods and tore up forty-two lads of their number. And he went from there to Mount Carmel, and from there he returned to Samaria. All right, Second Thessalonians 2. Now we ask you, brothers, with regard to the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together to him, that you not be quickly shaken in your mind or be alarmed, whether by a spirit or a word or a letter, as if from us, to the effect that the day of the Lord has come. Let no one in any way deceive you, for it has not come unless the apostasy comes first, and the man of lawlessness is revealed, the son of destruction, who opposes and exalts himself above every so-called god or object of worship, so that he takes his seat in the sanctuary of God, exhibiting himself as being God. Do you not remember that while I was still with you, I was telling you these things? And you know what restrains him now, so that in his time he will be revealed." For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restrains will, do, restrains will do so until he is taken out of the way. And then that lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord Jesus will slay with the breath of his mouth, and bring to an end by the appearance of his coming, whose coming is in accordance with the working of Satan, with all power and signs and false wonders, and with all the deceptions of unrighteousness for those who perish, because they did not receive the love of the truth so as to be saved. And for this reason, God sends upon them a deluding influence, so that they will believe what is false, in order that they all may be judged who did not believe the truth, but took pleasure in unrighteousness. But we should always give thanks to God for you, brothers beloved by the Lord, because God has chosen you as the first fruits for salvation through sanctification by the Spirit and faith in the truth. It was for this he called you through our gospel, that you may obtain the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. So then, my brothers, stand firm and hold to the traditions which you were taught, whether by word of mouth or by letter from us. Now may our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father, who has loved us and given us eternal comfort and good hope by grace, encourage your hearts and strengthen them in every good work and word. Mm. All right. And Daniel 6. It seemed good to Darius that he set 120 satraps over the kingdom, that they would be in charge of the whole kingdom, 
and over them three commissioners, of whom Daniel was one, that these satraps might be accountable to them, and that the king might not suffer loss. Then this Daniel began distinguishing himself among the commissioners and satraps, because an extraordinary spirit was in him, and the king planned to set him over the entire kingdom. Then the commissioners and satraps began began seeking to find a ground of accusation against Daniel in regard to matters of the kingdom. But they were not able to find any ground of accusation or evidence of corruption, inasmuch as he was faithful, and no negligence or corruption was to be found in him. Then these men said, We will not find any ground of accusation against this Daniel, unless we find it, find it against him with regard to the law of his God. Then these commissioners and satraps came by agreement to the king, and said thus to him, King Darius, live forever. All the commissioners of the kingdom, the prefects and the satraps, the high officials and the governors, have counseled together that the king should establish a statute and enforce an injunction that anyone who seeks to make a petition to any god or man besides you, O king, for thirty days, shall be cast into the lion's den. Now, O king, establish the injunction and sign the written document so that it may not be changed according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which may not be revoked. Therefore King Darius signed the written document, that is, the injunction. Now when Daniel knew that the written document was signed, he entered his house. Now in his roof chamber he had windows open toward Jerusalem, and he continued kneeling on his knees three times a day, (coughs) praying and giving thanks before his God, as he had been doing previously. Then these men came by agreement and found Daniel seeking to make a petition and making supplication before his God. Then they came near and said before the king concerning the king's injunction, Did you not sign an injunction that any man who seeks to make a petition to any god or man besides you, O king, for thirty days is to be cast into the lion's den? The king answered and said, The word is certain, according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which which may not be revoked. Then they answered and said before the king, Daniel, who is one of the exiles from Judah, pays no attention to you, O king, or to the injunction which you signed, but keeps seeking to make his petition three times a day. Then as soon as the king heard this word, he was greatly distressed within himself and set his mind on saving Daniel. And even until sunset, he kept exerting himself to deliver him. Then these men came by agreement to the king and said to the king, No, O king, Sorry, that it is a law of the Medes and the Persians that no injunction or statute which the king establishes may be changed. Then the king said the word, and Daniel was brought in and cast into the lion's den. The king answered and said to Daniel, Your God whom you constantly serve will himself save you. And a stone was brought and placed over the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet ring and with the signet rings of his nobles, so that nothing would be changed in regard to Daniel. Then the king went off to his palace and spent the night fasting, and no entertainment was brought before him, and his sleep fled from him. Then the king arose at dawn, at the break of day, and hurriedly went to the lion's den. When When he came near the den to Daniel, he cried out with a troubled voice. The king answered and said to Daniel, Daniel, servant of the living God, Has your God, whom you constantly serve, been able to save you from the lions? Then Daniel spoke to the king, O king, live forever. My God sent his angel and shut the lion's mouth, 
and they have not harmed me, inasmuch as I was found innocent before him, and also toward you, O king, I have done no harm. Then the king was greatly pleased, and said for Daniel to be taken up out of the den. So Daniel was taken up out of the den, and no harm whatsoever was found on him, because he had believed in his God. The king then said the word, and they brought those men who had brought charges against Daniel, and they cast them, their children, and their wives into the lion's den. And they had not reached the bottom of the den before the lions overpowered them and crushed all their bones. Then Darius the king wrote to all the peoples, nations, and men of every tongue who were inhabiting all the land, May your peace abound. I make a decree that, on all the, that in all the dominion of my kingdom men are to fear and be in dread before the God of Daniel. For he is the living God and enduring forever, and his kingdom is one which will not be destroyed, and his dominion will be unto the end. He saves and delivers and does signs and wonders in heaven and on earth, who has also saved Daniel from the power of the lions. So this Daniel enjoyed success in the kingdom of Darius and in the kingdom of Cyrus the Persian. All right, and Psalm 112, I'm going to take a drink of coffee here. All right, Psalm 112. Praise Yah, how blessed is the man who fears Yahweh, who greatly delights in his commandments. His seed will be mighty on earth. The generation of the upright will be blessed. Wealth and riches are in his house, and his righteousness stands forever. Light arises in the darkness for the upright. He is gracious and compassionate and righteous. It is well with the man who is gracious and lends, who sustains his works with justice, for he will never be shaken. The righteous will be remembered forever. He will not fear an evil report. His heart is set, trusting in Yahweh. His heart is upheld, he will not fear, until he looks in triumph on his adversaries. He has given freely to the needy, his righteousness stands forever. His horn will be raised in glory. The wicked will see it and be vexed. He will gnash his teeth and melt away. The desire of the wicked will perish. All right, in Psalm 113. <clears throat> Praise Yah. <clears throat> Sorry. Praise Yah. Praise, O slaves of Yahweh. Praise the name of Yahweh. May the name of Yahweh be blessed from now until forever from the rising of the sun to its setting. The name of Yahweh is to be praised. Yahweh is high above all nations. His glory is above the heavens. Who is like Yahweh, our God, the one who sits on high, the one who brings himself low to see the things in heaven and on the earth, who raises the poor from the dust and lifts high the needy from the ash heap to make them sit with nobles, with the nobles of his people, he makes the barren woman of the house sit as a glad mother of children. Praise Yah. All right, and that's our reading for the day. Um, I rambled enough at the beginning, so I'll, I'll prevent or I'll, I'll resist rambling here after the reading. Um, I'm grateful that you've taken the time to spend with me this morning um, in the Word of God. Um, again, as I said before, the whole point here. Um, is to be assistive to those that, um, especially to those who struggle to get into the Word of God, to spend time in the Word of God, to find time. And I, I know it can be hard. Um, I know in a lot of cases, even for myself, 
that I struggle to find time because I don't manage my time properly. I spend it on things that are not spiritual, things that are not godly. Um, and I'm not trying to tell you you shouldn't have your own hobbies and stuff like that. Um, but we as Christians have to take the time. We have to make, make clear and allocate the time properly um, and spend it on the Word of God. We, we really just have to. So that was part of why I wanted to do this and share this part of my morning routine with you. I hope you are looking forward to a blessed morning and a blessed weekend. I, I know I am, um, God willing. Um, I hope you have a wonderful day. As I say always, do all that you do today to the glory of God. Let's go and pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, thank you so much for giving us this time together this morning, this time to be able to share with each other and to take in your word. Dear Lord, please watch over us as we go out into this world. And Lord, we would pray that your word would equip us, would edify us, would lift us up, and would hedge up our ways so that our walk would truly be a walk, a Christian walk, be that walk that imitates Christ, so that we can be that true Christian witness in this world. Um, this world so needs that light. Lord, we would pray so much for revival. Our world needs it so bad. Our church needs it so bad because so many of the churches out there have become nothing but a social club. They're not a church. They don't have true pastors, true under-shepherds in the pulpits. They don't preach sound doctrine and true gospel from the pulpit. So Lord, we would pray that the revival would come. But most of all, we pray that your will would be done. In your name we pray. Amen. <clears throat> all right, you go out and you have yourself a wonderful day. And as I said, and I already said this this time, but I have a tendency to repeat myself. Do all that you do for the glory of God. Have a great one. God bless. Thank you.